Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. 1517, 500 years ago. It seems like a long time. It is a long time. Five centuries is a great amount of time. But something significant happened that we are still talking about and feeling the effects of today. You may not realize it, but you are feeling the effects of the Reformation today. A little later on in my talk, I'm going to explain some of the changes that happened after this event in 1517, and you're going to realize that pretty much everything we know of as normal life has been affected by something that happened to a small, obscure monk in a tiny, forgotten village. And it really is an amazing story. So there's this man, Martin Luther. He's born in Germany. He grows up. His dad wants him to be a lawyer. But he has a scary experience in his early 20s where he thinks he's going to die. And he says, God, if you get me through this, I'll become a monk. And he survives. And so he becomes a monk. And in 1512, at the age of 29, he gets posted to a tiny village called Wittenberg. And when I say tiny village, it was tiny. There were 2,000 people living in Wittenberg. And it was out of the way. It was forgotten in a corner of Germany. Nobody knew anything about it. In 1512, he gets appointed as a professor in the University of Wittenberg to teach the Bible, to teach theology. And something happened in those five years between 1512 and 1517 when he started the Reformation. Something happened, and it happened because for five years he was reading the Bible. Now you might think, well, what's so surprising about reading the Bible? You need to understand that at this time, nobody had access to the Bible. Nobody knew the Bible. It wasn't public knowledge. It wasn't even translated into the language of the everyday people. And it was illegal to own or to translate a Bible. Can you believe that? A very small number of people controlled the knowledge of the Bible and they drip fed it to people. And while they drip fed it, they changed it in such a way that if you went to church in 1517, there would have been no seats. There would have been no singing. There would have been no sermon. All that happened was mass, which was communion, but it was distorted so that people didn't really even understand what it was, and an offering. And the offering was the main thing of church. And in fact, they had a little logo, a phrase, a logo, a catch phrase, a motto that they would say, as soon as the coin in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs. And they said, as, as soon as you drop your money in the offering, yay, you get into heaven. And so people had no access to the knowledge of God. They couldn't read the Bible. It wasn't in their language. It was illegal for them to have it. And the civil government and the church government were the same thing. There wasn't a government separate from the church. The church ruled the Holy Roman Empire, which was most of Europe. And so you can imagine if you did something against the church, it wasn't just 
your little rebellion in your little area, the whole world was against you. And this little monk called Martin Luther moved to Wittenberg University, tiny village, tiny university. In fact, just before the Reformation happened, somebody compiled a list of the top 100 professors in three universities, Wittenberg and two others. They said, these are the top 100 professors lecturing in our universities. And Martin Luther was not even on the list. He was obscure. He was nobody. He was guilt-ridden and flawed. He was a broken and confused man. But he started reading the Bible. He was put in a position where he was able to digest the Bible and it changed the man. And for the first time in history, the original Greek and Hebrew manuscripts of the Bible were available for people to read. And he could read it in the original Greek and Hebrew. He was reading the Bible and he was reading Romans chapter 1 verse 17. And he was wrestling with this. He says that for several days and nights he was tormented by this verse because he could not understand it. The verse talks about the righteousness of God and he understood the righteousness of God as meaning God is righteous and holy and angry. We are evil sinners and the righteousness of God just means God crushing us. And he read Romans 1.17 again and again and again and again and again. He stayed up late reading this verse. He'd read the whole Bible to try and lecture it. But something happened in his heart. And he says, well, let me read to you Romans 1.17. It says, for in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And Martin Luther read that and it's in his own words. He says, then I began to understand that the righteousness of God is that by which the righteous lives by a gift of God, namely by faith. And this is the meaning. The righteousness of God is revealed by the gospel, namely the passive righteousness with which the merciful God justifies us by faith. And he says, when he realized this, I felt that I was altogether born again and had entered paradise itself through open gates. Something changed in this man's heart. The word of God entered and brought light and something changed. And so in 1517, he was inspired by what he'd read and he realized that the church and what everybody else was believing as being Christianity wasn't Christianity. They called themselves Christian, but they weren't Christian. They were doing crusades and traveling hundreds of miles to murder people. And they were taking offerings to, to try and con people out of money. And it was just not right. And he said, the Bible is true. And he wrote 95 objections. Just one-line sentences, 95 of them. He wrote them in Latin, which means he wasn't trying to make them for public consumption. It was just for his other professors to know about, and he nailed them to the door of a church in this tiny village called Wittenberg. And the printers around about heard about it. The printing press had only just been invented. The ability for people to print and distribute 
written material had just been invented and four different printers took his 95 points off the door, they translated them into German, they printed them and they started distributing them and within two years he was the most widely read and published author in the whole of Europe and everybody had heard about it and it started a revolution that is still reverberating today. And four years later, in 1521, eventually the Catholic Church called him to a council. Uh, it, it's called the Council of, a, of Worms, which was a town where it was held. And the emperor, Charles V, was there and he called him in. And as Luther walks into the council, the soldiers standing at the door with all their weapons are saying, to the flames, to the flames. Because everybody knew what happens to somebody who goes against the church. Let me just give you a bit of background. Luther was not the first person to come up with these ideas. 200 years earlier, a man called John Wycliffe in England translated the Bible into English and he was killed. He was put in a prison which was so dirty and dank that he died, but it wasn't enough that he died. They exhumed his body. They dug up his dead body. They burnt it at a stake. They declared him a heretic. They said anyone who reads his work is going to be put in prison. They burnt all his books and they made it illegal for anyone to read the Bible in their own language. And then a man called John Huss read about Wycliffe's writings in Czechoslovakia and he started translating the Bible into his language and saying the same things. They took him, they tried him, they said, recant, say that the church is right and the Bible is not right. And he says, I cannot, my conscience will not allow me. And they burnt him at a stake and he was worshiping, singing worship songs while they were burning him. And he made a prophecy. He said, a hundred years from now, somebody will, he actually, his name Hus means goose. And he says, today they burn the goose. But a hundred years from now, a swan will arise that will say the same things and, and the world will be changed. And that's why all Lutheran churches have a swan-shaped lectern when they preach the Bible, because Luther was called the swan that, that fulfilled Hasse's prophecy. But Luther knew as he's walking into this council, he is probably going to be killed because he says the Bible is true. And the whole world is against him. It's not just that he's rebelling against a small local authority. It's not even that he's rebelling against the church. He's rebelling against the government of the known world. Everyone's against him. He is the only one standing up for something because he says God's word is true. And they asked him to recant, which basically means just say that what you said was wrong. Just admit that it's wrong. And Luther said this, unless I'm convinced by the testimony of the scriptures or by clear reason, for I do not trust either in the Pope or in councils alone, since it is well known that they often err and contradict themselves. I am bound to the scriptures I have quoted and my conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not retract anything since it is neither safe nor right to go against conscience. I cannot do otherwise. Here I stand. May God help me. Incredible bravery. Incredible courage. And what I'm wanting you to see today, dear friends, is that it came out of God's word entering a frail and broken man's heart. 
One revelation of Romans chapter 1 verse 17. One word made alive in his heart changed him so much that he was willing to die and to go against everything in the known world to stand up for truth. And you and I stand here today in a church because of him. Let me read to you a few of the things that changed. Have you heard of the Dark Ages? Historians separate periods of time in history. And they say up until 400 AD, there was a time of civilization and culture and things were going well. And then from 400 AD to about 1500 AD, there was the Dark Ages. 1,100 years of darkness, of disease, of low life expectancy, of wars, of ignorance, of nothing good really coming out of it. And they call it the Dark Ages. And then they say, suddenly something changed and lights happened. The enlightenment happened and art was great. And the scientific revolution started and universities were created and, and people started thinking logically and, and there was progress in life and they say, wow, isn't it wonderful that everything changed? I want to tell you why it changed. God's word brings light. The period of time called the Dark Ages coincides exactly with the period of time when God's word was forbidden and hidden from normal people. But as soon as God's word is available, life springs up. Universities are built. The work ethic changed. People started working hard. And it's known as the Protestant work ethic. It comes out of reading God's word. It makes you want to work hard and do a good job. Individual conscience and human rights started. Before Luther stood up and said, my conscience constrains me. Nobody ever thought of saying my conscience constrains me. Luther stood up and suddenly people realized the individual conscience is important and people have human rights. Women and marriage and families were elevated. Before that, the place of women in society was very, very low. The church structure and the authority changed. I've already mentioned there was no music in churches. There was no sermon. There were no seats. The whole authority structure changed and the separation of church and state happened where they said there's a civil government and the church is separate from the civil government. And suddenly you had democracy springing up and civilization spreading. And I want to say that we in the Western world like to sometimes get proud and think racially proud. We think, oh, well, we're better. We were not better until Christianity came. And now that Christianity is getting into other parts of the world, they are getting better because it's God's word that changes a society. As soon as God's word takes root in a society, that society develops and prospers. And woe to us as we start ditching God's word because we will quickly go down. Education, Bible translations were available in normal language. Suddenly, the Word of God was translated into people's languages and the printing press was used and people could read the Bible for themselves. Science developed. You know, every great scientific um, leader, all of them, Newton and all of the others who made such great discoveries, they said, we are thinking God's thoughts after Him. They did science because they believed in God because God's word had broken in. And there are so many other changes that happened. So I mentioned that Luther was not even in the top 100 professors of his region 
But in the year 2000, Life magazine did an article of the 100 most influential people of the millennium, of the last thousand years, and Martin Luther was number three. I'll give you that list. Number one was Edison. Number two was Columbus. Number three was Martin Luther. Number four was Galileo. Number five, Da Vinci. And number six, Isaac Newton. Can you see how a flawed man with God's word in his heart changes history? And we are living where we are as a result of that. I want to make some points here today, friends. Number one, ideas matter. Ideas matter. You can have all the organization, you can have all the military might, you can have wealth, you can have all these things. But if we don't have truth driving what we do and how we do it, you have a period of darkness. You have chaos. Ideas matter. What we think changes how we act, and how we act changes the results of our lives and the lives of people around us. Your thinking, as James said last week, your thinking is so important. What's going on between our ears changes everything. And we've got to get our thoughts right. Number two, my first point is ideas matter. Number two, we can't come up with the right ideas on our own. Jeremiah 17 says, the heart is wicked and deceitful. Who can know it? Romans 1 says, without God, our minds are darkened and debased. We can't even work out what's true and what's not. But God's word comes in and suddenly we can see the truth. You know, there were a lot of clever people before Martin Luther nailed his points to the door. There were a lot of clever people around. Creative people. Persuasive people. But they needed God's truth because human ideas just will not cut it. We are living in a civilization and a society that is built on the, the, the structures given by God's word and we don't even realize it. And I sometimes laugh because I've lived and traveled in places where God's word is not the driver behind society. And I've seen how it's Christianity that makes the rule of law and democracy and human rights work. And it makes me laugh when I hear anti-gospel people, atheists saying, no, it's Christianity that's the problem and the cause of all of our problems. It's not. It's the very branch that you're standing on and you're trying to saw the branch off and you're standing on it. Don't you realize? We need God's word. So ideas matter. We can't come up with the ideas on our, on our own. We need the Bible. Number three, the scripture can be understood. You know, the, the church at that time said the people that the the, the normal people can't understand scripture. They need us to interpret it. They need us to change it. And Luther said people can understand the Bible because it is God explaining himself. And God makes it plain. I'm sure you know that there are parts of the Bible that are confusing. But the overall thrust of the scripture is so clear that anyone with a pure heart who wants to read it and understand it, reads it and is changed by it. I heard a brilliant illustration this week. They said, the parts of the Bible you cannot understand are like a clue in a crossword puzzle. You know a crossword puzzle, there's all the words upwards and across and all the clues, and you come across a clue that you can't work out. 
There may be parts of the Bible which you read and you say, I can't understand that. The answer is not to stop doing the crossword puzzle, but to answer all the other clues. Keep reading the Bible and pretty soon all those other things you've realized enlighten you to be able to find the answer to that part that you couldn't understand. So my third point is the scripture can be understood by everyday human beings. If we will just take God's word and obey the very thing that he's asking us to do, the other parts become clear. My fourth point is the bravery and courage that is inspired by faith of one person can make a massive difference. One person's courage and faith. The scripture found a home in Luther's heart and it changed him and it inspired him to stand up and be brave and because of him the whole course of civilization has changed. We are today celebrating 500 years since the Reformation. You know at the beginning of this 500th year they had a big conference in Sweden in a town called Lund and all the leaders of the churches from all around the world gathered to celebrate this 500th year of this light being given to humanity, scripture being unveiled again. And the Pope went and he gave a speech because the truth of the Reformation was not about Luther and it wasn't about separating from a church or rebelling against somebody. It was about the truth of God's word being revealed. And now everyone recognizes that. Even though Luther himself was flawed and weak and said some terrible things, it was the truth that he unveiled that has remained. Those five points of the Reformation, which is what we're looking at in this sermon series. Scripture alone is all you need. Grace is all you need. Faith is all you need. Jesus Christ is all you need. And God's glory is all you need. If we can get those five points which are still being celebrated today, it'll change us. It'll change our hearts. And then my fifth point is that this was bigger than Luther. And I've already, I've already alluded to this. This was bigger than one man. The, the truth that he unveiled, it's so obvious that it wasn't him. We're not following a man. We're following a, a, a truth that's been given, a precious truth, that God's word is enough. You know, somebody has said, what about all the denominations? What about all the division? Isn't this about division? Should we be celebrating division? And I believe that the Christian church is now more unified than it ever has been. We have many denominations, but we are one. We have diversity, and it's not division. I meet with many of the other church leaders regularly, and we are unified. We have differences in the ways that we worship, but these five truths unify us. If anyone says, I agree, Scripture is enough, grace is enough, faith is enough, Jesus is enough, God's glory is enough, they are my brother or sister, whether they are a different denomination or not. And the amazing thing is the group of Christians who believe these five things are called evangelicals or Bible believers. That group of Christianity is expanding and growing so quickly. In the 40 years between 1960 and 2000, 
the growth of evangelicals, Bible-believing Christians, was three times faster than the world's population growth. And the world's population growth in parts of Asia, Africa, South America was extremely high in those 40 years. But evangelical Christianity is exploding at three times faster than that rate. Because there's a truth in God's word that is supernatural. Now this is my challenge to you and to me, friends. Have you had your personal reformation? Martin Luther had to have it. He was in his own personal dark ages. He was ridden by guilt, fear, confusion, control. He was lost and he didn't know the way forward and God's word pierced in and brought light and it changed him forever. And he had his own personal reformation. The world had a reformation when God's words came in. But what about you? Have you read God's word and said this is precious. This is more important than any other human work, any other human opinion. In fact, this is on a whole different level than any human book or opinion. This is God's words. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13. Paul says, I praise God that when you heard the word of God from us, you received it as it really is, the word of God and not the word of men, the word of God that effectively, powerfully works in you who believe it. And I'm praying and challenging all of us. All you need is, to start off with, all you need is one verse from Scripture and it will change your life. Has God's word broken in? Has it brought life to you? Do you love God's word and see it as more than just a book? Because if you do, anything is possible. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.